So, uh, welcome to Defen episode number four zero with me, Vijay. Uh, oh, that's narcissistic. I'm gonna start with myself. Uh, this is me, Vijay, and um, Ray from Belgium, and we have special guest all the way from Russia, Mr. Nikita Popkov. Popkov. <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna yeah. I'm just gonna call you from uh, by your it was okay. uh, yeah. name. Nice try. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Actually, I, I should... people in Russia ask me as well how to pronounce this, so don't worry. Even Russians what? can do the right. So. <laughs> no, that's really not 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 a good idea because you know we're Indians. We are pretty <laughs> close to Russians for some time. I mean, I'm not sure now, but at least in the 70s or so, okay. like super culturally, yeah, I guess very close. I guess, yeah. I'm sorry that for that. Anyway, uh, welcome to Defen, and this is episode number 40, 40. Yeah, it's, so uh, Ray was just talking about um, middle age crisis. I'm not sure if Ray, if if that applies to Ray, but definitely uh, applies to me. Yeah. Nah, nah yeah. not really. I think it's it's for me and Nikita maybe. And you you have already passed the <laughs> pension <laughs> crisis. <laughs> Fair point. Yeah. So, um, uh, Nikita. So welcome to Defen. Um, let just please uh, give us some, you know, introduction about yourself. What do you do? Uh, how did you get into closure? We'll go, we'll get onto the you know internet questions later. Okay, uh, sure. Uh, so um, yeah, I'm, I'm closure programmer from Russia. Um, well, I've been coding for around fifteen years, I guess. Uh, I started with Java, uh, but then like <laughs> got into the crisis after five years of Java. Uh, switched to Erlang and uh, enjoyed it for quite a while, sometime, I guess, one or two years. And then switched to, to, to Clojure. Yeah, that's, that was time when, I guess, Rishiki started advertising the Clojure, all the stalks like uh, hammock-driven development and stuff like that. So I got inspired by him and I just decided to take a look what he's doing. Actually, yeah, I just I just like enjoyed the talks and I didn't know he's like also made the language. And when I learned this, like okay, I have to check. That's that's how I got in, in closure. What were you doing with Erlen? Uh, we were building uh, like a comment system. The company was called Echo. Um, it's it's kind of like uh, Discus. But well, it, it it was like San Francisco startup, and they, they actually started before Discus. But uh, when Discus like uh, saw an opportunity, like this was viable business, uh, we moved into uh, like white label projects uh, for media companies, like selling to business, and Discus was for users. So that's was our split. Because Erlang is meant to be very good for the chat systems, isn't it? And for like the, I'm just trying to think about like the comparisons of the languages, you know, about what, was it just like a professional interest? You were doing that because, you know, you were interested in concurrent programming or the chat oh. service didn't take much resources or what were the things that like made those people choose Erlang? Um, well, for me, it was like the company. It was just, I enjoyed the people. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, but but usually yeah so it it also was an introduction to the functional programming for me so before that I only knew Java and Python and they are not very functional so it was like that mm. moment when like my mind um, turned into this mindset so closure came easy so I already knew functional programming I already knew GVM right. so closure was like super natural fit but but yeah in in general Erlang is is like for very reliable systems, uh, networking systems, uh, stuff like that. It's basically, it was supposed to do what uh, Go language is good, good right now, but uh, for some reasons, Erlang wasn't as popular, but, but it's basically the same niche, I guess. So before we get into uh, all the computing stuff, can you please explain your about page photograph? I mean, you have some sort of a string instrument uh, and yeah. you're sitting in snow. And you're wearing oven mittens and a, and a laptop. I don't know how exactly are you using these things in those oven mittens. Uh, no, yeah, sure. Uh, it was actually we were shooting um, a video for, for my friends, 
it, it was supposed to be like all this uh, old stylized Russian uh, tradition. So we have samovar as uh, a musical instrument. Uh, samovar is the thing where you make uh, hot water, boiling water. Uh, the string instrument is ah. balalaika. It's basically also like Russian okay. thing. And yeah, and, but but because we were shooting, I had my laptop and we decided, and I was one of the actors. So we had like all this grim, uh, all this makeup. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> costumes. Uh, but yeah, I have my laptop. So we decided to take the photo and it turned out to be like super cool photo. So why not? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's super cool, though. I mean, both both in literal sense and also, you know, in general colloquial sense, like a lot of snow. <laughs> super cool. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so let's 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 get back to the computing stuff. Um, so uh, you're talking about Erlang. So why why did you choose or, or how did you enter closure then? Was it because just Richie's talks or uh, was there something uh, else uh, in your mind? Because you, you had some experience yeah, in Java uh, as well. Oh, well, I guess it was Rishiki's talks, and it like it made it made sense. So when when you listen to something and when you read about closure, it just makes sense. Like you see, oh well, yeah, this is this is mm -hmm. smart. Like this 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 might work and stuff like that. So it was just uh, charmed, I guess. I don't know. And uh, yeah, we actually in the same company. So I didn't leave the company. Actually, they let me to start a closure project there. And like this was my first experience with closure, so we started the project. Then, I guess a year later, we had eight people working working full time on closure project, and mm. it was one of our companies like wow. product. Had you um, had you seen a list before, Nikita? Because that's that's kind of a thing which is. I mean, I guess Erlang has got definitely got some odd syntax, so you're kind of used to weird syntaxes. Is that? Oh, did you find Lisp quite natural? Uh, no, it, it, yeah, it was fine. It was fine, actually. Maybe strange a little at first, but you're right that Erlang has strange syntax as well. But, but, but kind of like, you know, in Erlang, it's very pedantic about where you put commas and dots. It actually right. require you to have exact number of commas. Like in JavaScript, you can have hanging commas, I guess. Uh, and so it's like makes copy paste easier. In Erlang, you can do that. It's very strict. It, it just and you have to have a, a dot at the end of the file. It it's just required. So when I entered closure and it says like uh, we don't need commas, so just put a space in between. And so like, oh, it's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Freedom. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> commas everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I must admit, I, I actually find, and maybe it's just me looking back in the sort of review mirror now, but I don't think so. But I, I thought Lisp was quite a natural syntax, actually. It seems so easy. It just seems almost too easy. Yeah, absolutely. You you start to think in something must be wrong. It can't be that easy, but but it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. Well, actually, yeah. I, I, I don't agree that there is no syntax. Like... It's just the syntax is in the standard library, like how you write ifs and whens and loops. It's it's a syntax. It's just a convention that you have to know. You have to know how to write yeah. for a loop, for yeah. example. It's, I, I guess it's kind of syntax. But from the language uh, feature-wise, uh, what what is your um, I don't know how what is the fundamental things that you think. You know, closure was doing better compared oh, to Erlang. Oh, so well, this is easier. So Erlang is a great language <laughs> in terms of of building systems. So they have like really strong ideas how to handle errors and how to uh, control processes and like restarts and uh, make stuff that will last long, like that will survive. Uh, well, unexpected conditions like something that you didn't envision uh, happens and part of the system dies, but it can recover. It's really easy to write such system in Erlang. But language-wise, it's it's very um, like small, bare bones or something like that. It's it doesn't have much features. It doesn't have a good standard library. Uh, at the mo at the time when I was working with it, it didn't have hash maps. It has now, but it didn't uh, back then. So you basically have lists and um, and records, I guess. 
So what what we did for hash maps, we basically there's a thing called prop list. It's basically a list with uh, even number of elements where like uh, first and third and fifth element are keys and second, fourth and sixth uh, uh, values and so on. So that's what we use used to use uh, for hash maps. Uh, and 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 yeah. it's like. Uh, and didn't, it doesn't have strings as well. So instead of strings, it just has a list of integers, basically. And it's it's a weird language. So it's not very convenient to write, I don't know, algorithms, anything, basically. But Elixir wasn't there at that no, time. Yeah, I guess Elixir fixes at least okay. part of that, okay. I hope, yeah. But but yeah, on other hand, closure it's basically it's very nice language in terms of data processing. It's like have all the tools, and it's so natural to write such such things like processing collections and stuff like that. Uh, so so mm -hmm. it was yeah. yeah. The, the only thing I missed is like this uh, green processes from Erlang when you can just uh, have stuff running concurrently, and in Erlang, for example. Mm -hmm. You can spawn processes for each user in your system, for example, or for each incoming connection, mm. stuff like that. In Clojure, it's a little bit trickier. But how do you compare, um, for example, of course, Erlang has process-based concurrency, and then Clojure, I mean, more or less, we can use all the stuff in Java, but uh, channel-based concurrency stuff. So you think that it's not really uh, solving the same kind of use cases, or you can't use the, this one? Which Which one do you think is more suited for what kind of concurrency things? Uh, well, so I think like Erlang model is more natural, but it's I guess it's hard to implement or something like that. And, uh, mm. and like what Clojure has, it has core async, but it's kind of a hack. And uh, yeah, so yeah. <clears throat> uh, it's uh, like you have to do more things with your hands, basically. Uh, when it gets down to the processor, uh, basically Erlang runtime does that for you, and you have to do it yourself or via this very smart macros and core sync. But it's like uh, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I guess it's it's fine for for like typical web usage. I guess both of them are fine. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So. Um... Let's talk about all your open source stuff. I think most popular one is, um, I mean, interestingly enough, not programming one. I'm not sure if there is any programming involved in that one. So Fira code, that the one. Yeah. So why did you why did you yes. fork so, Fira? Uh, I I just uh, get uh, inspired by design stuff actually. So I was like, so three months actually, maybe four months ago, I took a vacation from working as programmer. All and I, I was like rethinking my um, profession, what I want to do in life, and so on. And I noticed that I like I pay a lot of attention to design and visual stuff and stuff like that. So maybe this is uh, also viable part uh, for me. So yeah, and I got inspired by this font uh, called Hasclick. It was a font for Haskell with ligature. So I, yeah, I yeah. thought like, oh, okay, great idea. I like this idea. That's uh, what I should do, but I didn't. I didn't like the font they used, so I made my own, and it turned out mm -hmm. not to be that hard. So yeah. How did you make this? And because this is something that maybe I'm not sure many people might not be familiar with. Because if I go to that repository, it says it's a closure repository. So, so what is what is the magic involved there? No, to it's, get all these uh, things? it it is closure because there is like that one file. Well, now it's, it's three files with closure. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so I use it to like yeah. to generate some code in font. So basically, uh, the font files they have a little scripting language, maybe scripting, maybe not scripting, declarative language, I would say, uh, that basically defines transformations. And you can do like very crazy things with it. But basically, you can say, if there is a symbol followed by this symbol, or like this might be a set of symbols, and then something else, we can replace this subset with this subset. And then you can like generate rules like that. Um, 
Yeah, it's, uh, and you can basically do ligatures. You can do kerning with that when you some combinations of letters should be uh, closer together, like uh, A and V. They should be closer than they are usually are in the string and stuff like that. So yeah, uh, so yeah. basically you do that. You basically declare like if you see a dash and followed by a greater sign, uh, then it should be an arrow. Mm -hmm. And you draw an arrow, uh, give it a name, and basically write this rule into the font. Uh, why I use closure is because it has like, I guess, 150 or something like that ligatures. And basically, they are all drawn in a font file. Mm -hmm. And my closure script just basically extracts the names and generates the code for these substitutions. That's what it does. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's really nice. Actually, I mean, I, I did use it for some time, but uh, now these days I I use some other font. Uh, I'm also fascinated by the monospace fonts a lot. I mean, yeah, yeah. Which, like one are, which one are you using? Keep right? trying different things. Uh, I use Operator from uh, uh, John Heffler. Yeah, uh, those guys. It's a bit of an expensive <laughs> font, but I really like that one. I love it. It's a beautiful font. But it doesn't have the ligatures though, so that's... Uh, and I rarely think about ligatures that much, but uh, yeah, I think there are a couple of other nice fonts uh, in open source as well. But really beautiful uh, work, by the way. Thanks a lot for uh, releasing it on open source stuff. So can you do like, um, if you see, I don't, I've used fear of font and I see the arrows and the greater thans and for greater than equals and stuff like this. Does the font allow you to do like lambdas for FN? Or is that not one of those? Uh, you you can do that. I just uh, don't do that in the Fira code, but uh, you totally can do that as well. Uh, the reason I'm not doing that is because I decided that um, if you replace some combination, uh, the thing you replace it with should be of the same width, so you don't uh, mess up the indentation. Uh, so basically, if I replace mm -hmm. uh, Defon with Lambda, it will be like four letters for one letter, and it will... Uh, the the line will become shorter, so I don't do that. I was just I was just thinking of for anonymous functions, but okay, yeah, 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 yeah. If, uh, there was um, remember the overtone uh, thing that um, uh, I forgot his name, uh, uh, Sonic Pi creator, Sam Aaron. Uh, Sam, yeah, yeah, exactly, Sam Aaron. So when he released his uh, Emacs configuration, I think he was the first person to do that, like. Set has the set notation when I type it in Emacs, but if you have Emacs, then you know it's a kind of natural thing. So, no, for you, Ray, but for I actually, people, yes. I, <laughs> uh, if, if, if normal people, <laughs> if, if you dig in my GitHub, I also have uh, a project called Closure Unicode, and it basically bins like all oh. not all but some of set operations to Unicode symbols, it basically like copies the definition. So you can use that and use like mathematical notation, but it's not. Yeah, sweet. That brings us to the to the question of the hour. Emacs <laughs> or some other shit? Uh, no, some <laughs> other shit, yeah. <laughs> no. You're from Russia, man. No, 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 I have, I have, I have, I have a reason. Uh, the ligatures don't work in Emacs. <laughs> yeah, you're not a fucking moron, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they, not, they they work in my Emacs, so I don't care. Yeah, well, it's not moronic actually. It's more kind of like pseudo masochism, isn't it? Yeah. It's like a, it's like autoerotica, or you know, people who want to like jerk off with a lemon in their mouth. You know, also <laughs> like Emacs. <laughs> anyway, what's your, what's your reason, Tony? Nikita. What's wrong with self-pleasure? What the fuck? I mean, you're, just because you're a Catholic white guy and then suddenly people enjoying something by themselves is a problem for you now? <laughs> anyway, so... Um, just to put it out there, I'm not a Catholic, okay? Uh, I'm just stereotyping. You stereotyped the entire Emacs community. So you deserve this. So. But, yeah, but I've got knowledge on my side, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I've met half of them, but but they yeah. do, but they do work by the way. But only in the um, you know the uh, the Japanese um, fork <laughs> of Emacs, uh, Emacs Railway Cat uh, thing. That 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 one uh, you can actually enable the Mac operators and then ligatures work automatically. That was a very very nice uh, 
uh, they, they release patches for Emacs every every time, and then it's, it's Mac compatible. Mm. If you want to follow that branch, but anyway, I mean, like it just wasn't a big deal for me. Uh, so, uh, so use uh, I suppose you use Vim then, or something else, or no, I I, I used to use Vim uh, when I was working in Echo, but uh, then because everybody was using Vim, and I kind of get into that thing, but then I left it. Uh, when I switched to Closure, I, I tried Lighttable, and it was kind of fine, uh, yeah. even for some time while it worked. <laughs> then they stopped to update it, yeah. and uh, unfortunately, I have to switch. Uh, so not, right now, I'm using Visual Studio Code. Um, yeah. No. With the cloud. Uh, Calva, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, there's two plugins. Sorry, there, there are two plugins. One is from Russian guy Andrei Lysin, uh, and it's like most popular mm-hmm. still, even with Kalva. Uh, and I actually met with him here in Moscow. He's in Moscow as well. So yeah, uh, it's not very nice. I, I, there are a couple of things left to be desired, unfortunately, but but it works. Yeah. Why do you like um, Visual Studio Code, by the way, rather than Atom or something like that? Because it seems pretty similar. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, well, I, I guess Atom uh, it it is it has the swipe of uh, like a lot of good people uh, came together and did something, but they weren't really coordinated or very good at what they were doing. So it's it's not <laughs> it's not quite polished. It's like so essentially yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. a shitty it's software so, it's, and it's yeah. slow. It's like Electron app. <laughs> yeah. And and on the other hand, like Visual Studio Code is very polished, and they they like uh, take these things very seriously, right? So it's like it's nice, okay. it's nice looking, mm-hmm. it works nice, it works reliably, I guess, and they like uh, they care about extensions and compatibility and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They like publish documentation. I guess Atom has that. Way. I don't know. I just I just tried. I didn't like the feeling of it. It was slow, and I switched. It's a bit slow, yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. But so because you wrote so many, uh, I mean, you participated, or I don't know, you are part of so many closure projects and so much amount of closure code. What what is your opinion about closure tooling in general? Because of course there is an IntelliJ with cursive and everything. That's a very beginner friendly and uh, probably good for beginners. And rest of the people, you know, uh, will use Emacs anyway. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so, what is your state of the state of the art about closure yeah. tooling? I, I I don't know about. I tried to use cursive, but it it didn't. It was like a hate idea because it's also like very heavyweight, and I didn't understood how this like cursive where to put windows, where do I look for output and stuff like that. Uh, so the, the perfect thing for me was light table. It has like inline display of result when you evaluate something. It displays right there. Yeah. Display it errors. It dis- it can it let you watch uh, variables inside your functions as they execute, and it was like very nice feature. So I miss it, and I hope one day something like that will be possible in Visual Studio Code or somewhere else. So. Yeah, my my well, my uh, my opinion on tooling is basically, uh, I I think I hope everybody is using REPL. I I think everybody should be using REPL, um, but I wasn't very. Something was wrong about the the way an REPL is implemented. I don't remember what, but I hope the P REPL that Rich Hickey is doing it was like like I was I was for a long time I was worried. Well, well, okay. First of all, I I never managed to get uh, closure script REPL working, so it's like impossible. <laughs> and so I, I just uh, used to reload the page, and then I used FigWheel to like uh, reload it for me. But it's like really, really hard. I hope this like will be, become easier at some point. And second one, uh, I was really disappointed in a way how REPL was implemented, especially this like network REPL. It was like we have a standard mm-hmm. input and standard output, and all REPLs are designed to like to work nice with that. But um, 
on and then we tried on top of that we tried to make like this network compatible and split it into messages which is i think is another way around we should have something that has clearly defines inputs outputs and stream of uh, prints i guess out out and then we can uh, combine all that to have uh, terminal repo something like that, uh, command line repo. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of uh, implemented other way around. But what I see in Rich Hickey's work, I guess P-REPL is exactly that. It's like REPL defined in terms of input, output, and standard output, so, something like that. So. Yeah, I think there was, because I'm using the P-REPL for a little project I'm doing. And uh, yeah, it has, uh, it has, you know, you have the input and then it has like some outputs that you can uh, understand, standard outputs, standard fields and easy data to manipulate. And you also have this uh, this tap function, which I'm not quite familiar with yet, but needs to be worked on, which means you can sort of tap into the functions as they, as they run um, to do transformations if you want to. Is it? Um, so there's, it's, <clears throat> Is it, uh, I thought that it was supposed so that uh, if you have like, if you run your process in some console, so you can join from other uh, process via Apple and get the same output like multiplexed uh, to you and to that console or something like that. Is it it? No? This, this, the stuff that I'm doing or the stuff that... Uh, the prepple with tap function. I, I saw tap is like drawing and listen for the copy of the messages. No. Uh, yeah, but not necessarily from other processes. It, it's not. I mean, obviously, closure hasn't got that level of abstraction on it. Okay. You know. Well, I... It's just diff different. Um, with 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 the with the prepple, you have a tap. It's there is there's two different things here. You've got taps, which is like the thing in Clojure, 110, and then you have this tap function, which is something that you can give to the prepl. Hmm. And that's just one thing that you give to the prepl to listen to its output. Okay, but, but, okay, but, but uh, like this, this was like clone cover deal. I think something like that, like good REPL, especially networking REPL should be in part of the Clojure, like from the starter. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I agree, yeah. I know that I know that it was kind of like a new thing. It's going to be interesting to see how the two guys react to it, to see how people, whether people move their NREPL middleware over it or something like that. You know, I think it's going to be an interesting thing. Because the thing I find about weird about NREPL actually is that um, you, it's like these, you, you don't know the, you, the stacking order isn't obvious all the time. Yeah, yeah, and middleware is like also kind of weird concept for me, especially like all the plugins for Visual Studio Code and I guess for, no, not for light table, they all require you to like to put some stuff in the middleware or they refuse to work. Like it, uh, Visual Studio Code, for example, requires you to have CIDR middlewares. Otherwise, you can see exceptions mm. and you can like uh, see documentation stuff like that. And I don't really understand this concept. Like uh, I thought that if you have a running closure process somewhere, you should be able to join and do everything like here there, right? Instead, you have to think about yeah. that uh, beforehand and put cider in, uh, and only after that, like, and everybody should be using cider then, otherwise. Like everybody has to agree, and I don't understand this concept. When I was working with Lighttable, Lighttable like has different middlewares, and it was like kind of a conflict. I wanted to put uh, in a project like Lighttable middleware, so other guys who was using Emacs wanted CIDR there, and I don't need that, and like it was very strange architecture. So uh, let's talk about your your project. So because we have two uh, super popular projects of yours, uh, one is RUM, and the other one is uh, DataScript. So let's talk about RAM. I mean, why one more React.js thing? <laughs> yeah, why did you so, create RAM? Uh, so the idea of RAM actually came from the from the need to use DataScript for React programming. So I, I enjoyed React uh, when it had like, I, I, I never actually tried OM, but I enjoyed Quizchant, I guess, by Luke Vanderhart. 
Yeah, yeah and it was yeah. it was great, but it didn't support like uh, data script very well. And other, uh, it's it's like super simple, super minimal, and it was cool, but you can't do much with it. So and and I wanted to use data script, and neither OM nor Reagent supported data script. Say so, like we have atoms, put everything in atoms, but it wasn't like how I envisioned applications. So yeah, I had to do something and like I had some patterns I already used. Uh, so basically I wrapped this in a library. I guess RAM is, well, uh, RAM is reactive ARM. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Close. Uh, it was some pun on OM, on I guess. Oh yeah, I remember. So there was OM. So I made like reactive yeah. OM, which is ROM, uh, and yeah. ROM is a Russian word. Yeah. You say it ROM, it translates to English yeah. as ROM. So yeah, I got it. <laughs> ah, okay. Of, yeah. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're having a lot of ROM and you're like, fuck this thing, I'm going to yeah. make my own uh, reactive yeah. stuff. <laughs> Super cool. So um, when you compare with... Uh, Right now we have we have of course RAM and I'm not sure if quiescent and I don't know how it is pronounced is it quiescent 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 yeah uh, we have a native English speaker yeah. um, so quiescent and you know of course we have the the big um, one uh, or at least you know the most popular one in my opinion uh, from from blog post and everything reframe and reagent uh, combination um, so where do you see RAM going in the in this sense? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it has a place in ecosystem as a super thin wrapper, but it, it's not very good for beginners, I guess, because it's very unopinionated. So it basically says, do what you want. I don't care. It doesn't provide you like solution for storage. It doesn't teach you how to organize your application. It's very flexible, so it can be whatever you want it to be. Uh, but it makes it hard to start. If you don't know mm. what you want, it's, it makes it hard to start. So, you think this is because you've got an Erlang background? You know? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I just, <laughs> I don't know. I, I just don't, don't. I'm just teasing you. Okay. I, I, I like like flexible things. I and well, it's 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 kind of an evolution of uh, of skill, I guess. At first, you need things very unflexible, uh, which like teach you how to do things and guide you. Don't do that. This is impossible, mm -hmm. so you better don't do that and stuff like that. And in the end, you want something flexible, super uh, with no restrictions, like closure, basically. Closure lets you do anything. Like you can redefine syntax. You can I don't know like. Um, implement your own classes or hierarchies or whatever polymorphism, yeah. right? And um, write your macros and macros can do crazy things. But if you don't know what you're doing, it will be dangerous. So I think RAM is, I think I have RAM because I have closure background. <laughs> <laughs> Not the other way around. What I was going to say was, um... Because I think the one of the things that's interesting about React is the fact that it's going onto the to the devices, to the mobile devices. Um, does Rum work on the React Native side now? Uh, not officially, but it can be made to run there. I have a cup, couple of projects are using it uh, with React Native. Yes, it, it's possible. Mm -hmm. But well, in general. You, you ask about the future of RAM, and uh, well, <laughs> my my current thinking is I'm very like uh, disenchanted, disappointed with web ecosystem and web frameworks and stuff like that, <laughs> and I just want to get as far away as possible uh, from it for some time. That's a, that's a nice segue. So let's talk about that now. So just before we go there, though, I mean, <laughs> before we go into the sort of bigger rant. I mean, I'm interested. React to me was kind of an interesting, uh, like jumping-off point away from the complexity of web frameworks. Actually, it did it did bring a, a simplification to the table. No, oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, yeah. The, but so it struck me as something which is like 
you can stay with it because it's like, yeah, this is really simple. You know, we've got, we've got now, we've just got like a nice way of saying, okay, we declare our data, we declare our functions and, and now we just have to, um, have this functional transformation from the data onto a virtual DOM and everything else can be taken care of by the smarts of the diffing algorithms. You know, so it seems like a quite a, from my perspective at least, it, it seems like quite a nice way of doing web programming and not very complicated. No, no, yeah, it, it's 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 great. And uh, like uh, the appearance of React and the virtual DOM idea was like a huge step forward, I mean, very huge. And it basically, it happened somewhere when I started to do front-end programming uh, in browser. And yeah, it's, it's I actually mm. like really felt this difference between writing uh, like programming in jQuery, for example, when you have to remember mm. which state you are in and change this. Yeah. 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 Uh, versus yeah. like uh, doing everything from the scratch every time. Yeah, yeah, it's great. But again, I, I kind of like uh, just kind of tired of, um, well, the first web itself, the DOM, it's like it's very unpleasant uh, environment to work with. It's like have so many limitations that can be fast and stuff like that. You, you basically like spend a proportional amount of uh, effort to get like trivial things done. And and yeah, and on the other hand, I think uh, React and um, and RAM as well, they are, they are good as they are. They, they're perfectly fine frameworks and you can do great things. I don't think there is like much room for improvement or something is missing there. And it's that's why I find it hard to, for example, update RAM for new versions of React. For me, they're all the same. So basically, the big idea was virtual DOM. Mm. Everything that comes from after that is just like yeah. small improvements. It's basically they, they change things for the change sake. Like, like we think JavaScript mm. programmers will enjoy this more. I'm like, okay, maybe, but we're like in ClojureScript, we don't care how JavaScript programmers program React. We already have wrappers, right? So I got what yeah, I needed yeah. from React and it's fine, I guess. Yeah, yeah, totally agree, yeah. The, the thing I was thinking about actually going beyond that to a more simple world would be to be able to have something like React or sort of like implement something simpler than the DOM on a canvas. Um, because that's a very open programming model. Yeah, it might be. I don't know. I, actually, it's very interesting, uh, especially in the web, how how web might become something faster than like basically overcome current limitations. Um, yeah, it's 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 not clear right now. But but basically, Canvas is one of the solutions. You know about this Flipboard, right? When they implemented mobile application yeah, yeah. canvas and it was like 60, 60 fps mm. easily yeah if we put mm. something mm. like um, accessibility on top of that and like screen reader support i don't know we can we can get something mm. nicer i guess but it will be like uh, wild west like uh back to adobe flash and silver light times because everybody <laughs> will be implementing <laughs> their own widgets yeah Let's talk about a bit about DataScript. Uh, what is the central idea behind DataScript? Uh, so the idea was to bring to try to bring Datomic into the browser. Well, yeah, but basically it, it started because yeah. I was interested in how hard it would be to implement what Datomic does, and it turned out to be not that hard, yeah. at least like basic functionality. And 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 then mm -hmm. yeah, it then it turned out to be a nice idea. Again, I am not saying like I knew that in advance, but it turned out to be very, very nice. So the yeah. so idea is that you have to manage your state uh, in, in using some library, basically, uh, some storage, like, like we use databases on a server, right? We don't uh, write to files. We use mm -hmm. database when basically you can query your data and get the parts that you're interested in in any shape you're interested in. So basically that's what DataScript does. It keeps your state and you let you query it in, in whatever way you, you need to. I was just going to wonder whether you were inspired by systems like Meteor and stuff like that. 
of Firebase or? Uh, I, and I'm not sure. If, yeah, I guess. No, I don't. I don't remember actually. And <laughs> I, I know about them now, but I, I can <laughs> say I knew uh, a big deal about them before. Uh, but what what they provide? Well, basically, they provide a little bit more, right? They let you synchronize your state to the server, and this is like mm -hmm. a huge, huge feature which I want mm -hmm. at some point to have in DataScript as well. Uh, but it's not there yet. But even without it, ju just keeping state on a client in a managed way is a huge win, like for just organization sake. You could, you just like so much simpler and so much nicer to use when you have database and you know that your entities are like are all mm -hmm. flat. Mm -hmm. They all have IDs. You can uh, like go from, I don't know, from post to comments, from comments to post, from authors to post to comments, whichever way you like. So do you do you um, support local storage or is it um, is it just in memory? It's just in memory, but it it has a serialization format, so it's trivial to save to local storage or send it over the network. But basically, right. even in, when I worked in Cognition, we used uh, that. We we it also works both in Clojure and Clojure Script, and we utilize that as well. So we basically we build database on a server then serialize it and send it to the client a client deserializes and start works with it, working with it and how it worked but did you know about the mozilla's project because i i just i'm just looking it up now and apparently it's now unmaintained you know mentat or something that was uh, they they tried to do the same exact thing in rust i thought this was a live project i, I just, i'm just checking it again and it mm. says unmaintained it was reported to rust at some point uh, Inspired by yeah, I remember uh, somebody contacted me and we spoke about it, but I don't remember much details. But I remember yeah. that exists. Yeah. Okay, because I was following it for some time. I think probably a month ago or so, it was still uh, active, and then now I see it. It is in unmaintained state suddenly. Okay, interesting. Anyway, so um, that's what you do to projects, is it, PJ? <laughs> yeah, I mean, as <laughs> soon as you follow, refresh it. it the thing is, if every month, if I don't refresh, they go into unmaintained <laughs> state for some reason. I'm like, oh, the fuck? Weird. Uh, that, that's why I have a pingdom uh, towards all the uh, uh, Nikita's projects. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Emacs, the, the, the shit that I'm using that is written in I don't know, 1980s or something, still works. So, uh, so, so just a quick is, question. Is the reason? Just to start, before we go into that, it's a quick question on the serialization part, uh, Nikita. Yeah. Um, you were saying you were using it um, with uh, with cognition. So what, how does that work? Because I think they use they're an atomic shop, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Because we've had we had talked we talked to Robert, you know, a long time ago, yeah, friend of the show, <laughs> Robert. <laughs> we, we are in the middle ages of the product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we were kids, you know, we spoke to Robert <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, he was um, he was he was telling us he was at there is atomic shop. So I guess that was a bit of an easier transition, the atomic to DataScript. So we basically have uh, like we had custom codes that uh, basically we yeah we start the state in oh uh, actually the way it worked we used event sourcing, so we had events right. stored in Datomic. Then when user accesses the page, uh, we know which events to like. Uh, pull from Datomic, uh, we pull them in, transfer them, like apply all them to empty DataScript database. So like one by one, uh, mm -hmm. and you get the latest state basically by that, like event sourcing. And then you say, send the state to the client and client continues to do the same. Basically it was mainly done for speed up because uh, applying events on closure side, on GVM side was way faster than doing it in the browser. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So after that, it just cl client generates events. They got applied to the local data script database, and they got sent to the Datomic for persistence. Have you? Has anyone used it apart from from for a Datomic backend for a, for a SQL backend or for a like a document database or hmm. something else? Or has it only ever been Datomic? Um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, not in cognition, but uh, there are many projects using DataScript. I, maybe somebody did. I don't know. Okay. Now I was just wondering what the hooks were, really. Yeah. Well, the hooks are, uh, it's like, 
uh, it's for example in SQL database you have to you have separate IDs for different tables different IDs for different well no uh, different tables can have the same IDs right so you can't use that in data script mm. because uh, data script expects unique IDs for everything so this is one mm. of the hiccups I, I guess we did some project with this way on closure cup. I remember we were struggling with IDs and that, and basically you have to write this code that translates tables to data script. It's much simpler with Datomic because they essentially the same model. Mm. Yeah, I guess you could just store a client ID and just store everything as a blob. That's another way of doing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And no power of the database at all. And <laughs> yes, so let's move on to much more depressing stuff. Um, okay. I I hope your disenchantment is only because of the web-related stuff, or is it is it about the software in general, or can you can you give us a bit of a you know view onto your disenchantment about all the shit going no, on? Yeah, in I, I hope there is like. Um... There's a, there must be a reason, right? So something happened uh, which uh, made me like criticize everything around me. Uh, it's not that it doesn't deserve <laughs> deserve to be criticized. I mean, computers are very shitty things. And, uh, but yeah, so um, yeah, I guess it's because of the web stuff because because it's so inefficient because it's like so bloated and because like there is no clear path to some like bright future and i don't see it and uh, it's like it's like going to get worse and worse and worse and like people working with web they're like interested in wrong things like not in building something efficient and lean and stuff like that but just something bloated and getting stuff done no matter what price but isn't this this dichotomy was i mean it was there at every generation, right? I mean, at some point, uh, there were all these uh, Windows applications with all the shit coming in, and the UI was horrible yeah. on all the desktop applications. And then, you know, every every generation has the similar kind of... I mean, I'm not saying things are better in the past or anything, because uh, we have seen that probably Ray has seen much more <laughs> generational <laughs> turns than I did, maybe one more, I guess. Um, so... What is what is the difference now? Because in the desktop application world, we, we had the similar kind of shit. I mean, uh, weird looking UIs and four four GL languages and all the bullshit coming in, drag and drop interfaces, and then they they they're messy. And so, what 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 is the I new guess, uh, shit? Well, <laughs> uh, I don't remember. So somebody said this like ninety percent of everything is shit, right? So. It's <laughs> yeah. So, and <laughs> actually, like when I published that, somebody pointed me at the article uh, Nicholas Wirt wrote in 1995. Like, and he's basically saying saying exactly the same stuff. But like, every nobody is like uh, writing correct programs and efficient programs. And somebody invented icons and Windows. What's the crap? Why text isn't enough and stuff like that. <laughs> so. And then somebody pointed <laughs> yeah. out that Dijkstra in like 60s or 70s wrote the same stuff, like software crisis and, <laughs> and so on, projects going over budget or performance and stuff like that. So yeah, it's it's it's, it's been... This, yeah. Isn't it a bit like, you know, like Stone Age man complaining about teenagers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but, well, yeah, kind of, I guess. I don't know, but... I think still, uh, if you compare software and websites, websites are way crappier than <laughs> general software, at least on Mac, on a Mac, right? On Windows, mm -hmm. maybe not everything is great, but on a Mac, I guess on Windows, uh, you uh, you are happy to use web software <laughs> because it's better than Windows. <laughs> uh, but on a Mac, like no, the like the stuff Apple does, it's it's kind of nice. It's kind of nice. Again, I mean, at least it starts instantly, and it has polished UI and nothing breaks. Yeah. But yeah, actually, uh, there is silver lining to this, I guess. Uh, so I was like on a conference uh, this weekend, 
uh, giving a talk, and I I happened to listen a couple of talks uh, on the YouTube about about Flutter. Uh, it's a framework framework for Google. Yeah, yeah, yeah. S yeah, I was kind of skeptical Google, yeah. at first because they like re-implemented uh, Cocoa look and feel and uh, Material Design look and feel like yes. uh, like as they claim. Yeah to the pixel, like it's a pixel perfect. And they like made the scrolling yeah. feels native and stuff like that. Uh, but everything from the scratch. So it's not system stuff, it's just a copy of everything. And this sounds like a stupid idea on one hand. What? Yeah. I mean, it, it has been a stupid idea for at least twice, right? In, in AWT and Swing and Eclipse RCP. And may, maybe, you know, I, I keep having this you know, Groundhog Day sort of situation. Like, oh, this is exactly the thing that I heard some time ago. But I, I did try Flutter. Uh, I was trying to use Flutter, but I, as I was explaining, I was on beta constantly on Mojave. So I was trying to install Flutter and I couldn't because I was on beta and then that was dependent on some retarded node module called, I don't know, iOS control, whatever library. And they didn't update. And, and then finally I was able to install, but then, the shit needs Dart, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm too old for this shit now. I'm not gonna learn a new language now, and I gave up. But it, it is, it sounds like an interesting idea, but the way, thing is, I don't know, it, it sounds like same shit, different decade, you know? It's like, it might it's be. not I don't day, know. But I don't know, but uh, so, I, so I listened to this two, two talks. One is like called Rendering Pipeline Flutter, and the other one, um, I don't really remember, but I guess there, there aren't many talk. Ah, flutter flutter slayer design but yeah, yeah it's basically from the creators so, uh, they yeah. explain how it works and how it yeah. works it sounds quite legit i mean they care about the right stuff they care about performance they did layout well layout is reasonable right i don't know how what mm. like what the state of the art in layout is but it's certainly what they describe is better what web has is better that apple has I guess it's better what Android has. I don't know what Android has. But yeah, you have to learn a new language. Uh, this is kind of a bummer. But on the other on the other hand, you can look at it. You don't have to touch JavaScript. So it's... it's <laughs> yeah, that's So <true>. it <laughs> might be fine. I wish it was in uh, in Java. or I could use it for clo from Clojure. But, but still, it might be good. I, I have to try it, though. Yeah. I plan mm -hmm. to try it. But I think the other thing that um, I think the other thing that people are doing, I mean, in the games world, obviously people are looking at you know raw performance, so you know they they tend to have more um, more focus on that stuff, and um, you know I think you've spoken about um, Jonathan Blow's stuff before as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's just ideas at the moment. I think a compiler won't be ready until next year, but but that's also you know kind of interesting from our perspective that he's doing metaprogramming at a low level. Um, but the other thing I was going to talk about was this unikernel stuff, because this also strikes me as something which, you know, from a future perspective, strikes me as an interesting way that the industry will eventually move towards for, for like server-side stuff and, and a sort of IoT type things. Because, you know, we have the world of IoT of shit at the moment, but eventually people want to if they're going to use very low-powered devices, they want, you know, bare metal programming, but with a few more affordances than assembly, you know? Yeah, like unikernels also uh, inspire me, like something uh, like when we're moving in the right direction instead of, like, making things worse. And I hope you mm. actually can run Erlang in unikernel, I guess. It's like... Some somebody like in Ukraine or Belarus implemented it, I guess. I don't remember exactly. I saw the guy who was uh, like one of the implementer, uh, mm. the, the developers. Yeah. But all camel is a sort of uh, poster child, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There are, there are two unikernels, one for Ocaml and another one for Erlang. And I remember also like somebody was talking like it's it starts in milliseconds, so you basically can boot a new operating system on every web request. So like request comes in and That's you boot right, yeah. a new operating yeah. system yeah. and uh, <laughs> it serves, answers the request and shuts down. So yeah, it's it's kind of yeah. like yeah. the way things should be. We don't, you don't need Linux for serving web. It's Linux is like a baggage. You don't mm. need that. That way it, 
Well, their argument as well is that you need, if you use the unikernels, you have like the subset of drivers that you need from from the uh, from the operating system, and then you you compile in the drivers that you need. And the interesting thing about that is that from a security perspective, it's very difficult to hack in because there is no you know with Linux, there's a user space that you can actually log into. And nice thing about unikernels is there's nothing to log into at all. You can never log into it. And that's really nice, I think. You know, like you say, it's really bad, you know, back down to what's actually necessary for the uh, for the functions. You know, getting closure started up in that time is still a challenge, I think. <laughs> actually, I, in some, I, I was listening for a podcast, I guess, from one of the creators, Mirage Shores, I guess, the account one. And he said, like... Uh, like you, mm -hmm. you. What do you think? Is it, okay, uh, it might sounds like a crazy idea right now, but things about the future, what future looks like, it doesn't look like Docker. It looks like unikernels. Like, it doesn't make yeah, sense yeah. to put Docker into mm -hmm. Docker sync. Like, it's not the way things supposed to be. Yeah. I like the fact that um, that that the Docker company bought the Unikernel company. Though. Oh no! <laughs> so so <laughs> so you can put Unikernels inside Docker. Yeah, and actually, I I don't know if you know of because if you if you do watch these people, they they what they've got on the Mac actually they're using the Unikernel architecture on the mm. Mac to do the native Docker implementation. Mm. Um, because so it's a little like mini network in between like the. The, the actual Docker implementations and the, the Docker native services. And it uses these uh, unikernels to do that. Okay. <laughs> Weird stuff, you know? So, um, so closure, eh? Yeah, closure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll get back so, to it. Okay. Let's, let's talk about closure, like <laughs> what sort of thing. <laughs> We're an hour in, we might as well talk what? about it, yeah. Exactly. So, what is your what is your favorite library in Clojure? Apart from, of course, the stuff that you have written already. Apart from Rum and DataScript. Hmm. Wow! Surprise question. Is that a new question, by the way? <laughs> is that a new question? <laughs> you just come up with that one. Yeah, I've never thought about favorites. Come on, <laughs> what kind of question is that? That's, you put him on the sure. spot there. Yeah, come on. I don't know. <laughs> there isn't one. Um, <laughs> No, I mean, and the, because we have so many uh, libraries to to build your stack with. So, what is your go-to stack if you want to start a closure program, for example, or closure web application? Uh, I, I I keep losing you at the questions. <laughs> it's oh, like I am um, going to ask you. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. That, that's because my questions are not not that important. <laughs> <laughs> Work it out. You know, I mean, you know, watch the leaves. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is your favorite stack? Not just a library, but you know, what is your go-to stack for closure um, web applications? Okay, so I used uh, I used HTTP Kit for some time. Then we found some nasty bug in it when I was in cognition. So we switched to yeah you know, the the, the JBoss one, Immutant. Yes, Immutant. Yeah. Immutant. So we're using Immutant, yeah. And, and I guess I was using uh, Hiccup, and huh, what what else is there? Mm -hmm. I don't know. And the Ring stuff and the libraries that comes with Ring, like sessions, cookies, and stuff like that. Actually, at some point, I was thinking about writing my own routing library. Oh yeah, I tried BD, and I uh, was like very confused by the syntax. I like. Just couldn't make it do what I wanted. Like I tried all the ways, it still didn't do what I wanted. So, yeah. Uh, so at this at this point, I was thinking, okay, I know how to write like a routing library, but I just didn't. But I still know. So at some point, I will have my own stack. I will have everything yeah. like web server. I should write as well, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then if you have Unikernel, then you write your own operating system. Yeah. The whole, the whole thing, everything. Uh, so and never, never publish it. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I have. What's next for me? I don't so know. what is next um, for you? Actually, like I, I, I guess I want to try different things which are not related to web. I guess I, I, I don't know. Yeah. So I, I wanted to try Rust, and now I'm also inspired by Flutter. 
Like, like because it's just a new, fresh mm-hmm. start. Like, there is no not much mess yet, so it might be nice. I don't know. Yeah, and and see where where, where it leads me. Maybe like mobile applications are nicer than web applications. I don't know. M- maybe they need data scripts. So I would write data script yeah. in Swift. What is what is Tonsky? Is it because I I thought Tonsky was your last name, unfortunately. I mean, I just started typing it. I used to have actually, yeah, I used to have my last name and Twitter name, (laughs) uh, but then I removed it and just kept Nikita. Yeah. And after that, everybody started to call me Nikita Tonsky. (laughs) Yeah, not the first one. Uh, but so, okay. so yeah, the story is really simple. So Tonsky is a short of Nikki Tonsky. And Nikitonsky is a change of Nikita that we used oh. in university. So like it was like funnier way to say Nikita. So we switched to Nikitonsky and we like we change all the names that way. So everybody gets yeah. onsky suffix. <laughs> and then it was too long and I shortened okay. to Tonsky. So basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I know because I, I I typed everywhere like uh, when I was announcing the episode, I was like typing Tonsky and then I saw Prokopov, I was like, oh, <laughs> did I make a mistake and I had to correct everywhere? <laughs> I guess it's fine. I guess uh, people also see Tonsky and they know what, what's going on. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're, you're full-time Patreon now, or uh, are you working for something? No, not really. No? Uh, no, so the Patreon, by the way, the Patreon was quite successful, but but it's right now it shows like crazy amount of money, but it's just one time from, it was a generous donation from JetBrains. For this month, yeah, but uh, oh, they okay. going to pull the plug the next month. So it's just one time thing. But yeah, it's, uh, it's I guess it's enough for to keep for a week. I guess like mm. it was like around six hundred dollars before that. Or, okay. So mm. yeah, yeah, and and I'm I'm going to well I don't know actually I decide as I go. Uh, last mm-hmm. month it was Fira code mostly. Mm-hmm. Uh, this month, uh, the Martin Klebsch actually convinced me that I should do doc strings for DataScript because it has mm-hmm. no documentation as of now, like no, none at all. Everybody who asks about documentation, I just go read the Atomic and they, they like try the Atomic. And but yeah, I tried, but this doesn't work. Of course, it doesn't work because it was different. <laughs> What's the matter with you? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I don't know. Actually, I'm surprised that people still use it and with this attitude. And, <laughs> uh, but <Okay. laughs> um, yeah, so I actually probably will support these projects. Try something new, I guess. I, as I say, I want to try new things. Hmm. And I have like so many ideas. I just uh, I, oh, I not enough time. Not enough time, but yeah, probably. yeah, yeah. Hey, super nice. Um, so is there any other topic that we want to mention? Of course, I mean, you're on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Tonsky. It's not Nikita. It's not Prokopov. It's Tonsky. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Okay. Um, so any um, famous last words for this episode? Um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> oh. enjoy, enjoy your work. Enjoy closure. Don't, don't get depressed. And... Uh, <laughs> It's all be good in the end, I guess. But are you going to apply for uh, closures together funding or something? No, I did. I did. Uh, okay. Results are not in yet, but uh, this month, yeah, I did. Okay. Let's let's okay. fingers crossed. Because yeah, 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 yeah. there is a lot of stuff like data script could use. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Good luck well. with the with the stuff and. Um, yeah. Awesome. Nice talking to you guys. Yeah, great to talk yeah, to you. That's really good, yeah. And uh, you know, thanks for your uh, for your web frameworks. I think they're, I mean, you know, despite the fact that it's you know, web is a pile of shit. You know, it's nice to have <laughs> nice to have tools like uh, like DataScript to help us out and wrangle it a bit bit more uh, easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're welcome. And also, you know, the Fira code that was a, I think, really really beautiful font. Uh, you made it even better, obviously, with the languages and everything. And uh, great work on uh, RAM and DataScript. And I hope, uh, you know, we, we keep offering us across for you uh, so you get into closures together. And uh, hopefully, you know, um, you don't flutter away into Dart <laughs> and then you'll continue building awesome stuff for closure for us. Um, uh, yeah, just, I just wanted to say that um, 
So, so, so this this thing with Flutter and looking for better stuff, I, I was just like listening and uh, I'm not like uh, one part of me like okay I should try it and the other part okay how do I implement this enclosure like <laughs> 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 so maybe I just steal the ideas like and do that in JVM and we'll have yep. like cross-platform desktop framework for applications that works ten times faster than Electron and ten sli yep. times lighter and all that thing yeah, yeah that that'd be wonderful you know you bring Flutter to Closure call it clutter and that's exactly what you need in Closure. <laughs> Yeah, That's what we need. Bring clutter to closure. <laughs> it's a nice name, yeah. <laughs> please, please use it. You know, we, we only we only charge when it is successful. So you know. <laughs> until until then, it's free. Hey, yeah. um, it, it was it was very nice talking to you, and uh, thanks a lot for joining us uh, on this Sunday. Uh, and um, I think uh, we can uh, roll the credits now. Uh, so that's episode number four zero, and uh, we are going to have the next episode pretty soon. Uh, we are trying to uh, have at least uh, one or two episodes per month coming up. Uh, and of course, as uh, long-time listeners of this podcast know already, we are on Patreon. So um, first go to Tonsky's website, uh, Tonsky's Patreon, and give some money there. And if you have a spare change, you can come back and then give that money to us so um, we can uh, loudly complain about closure constantly. <laughs> So that's uh, that's it from us for this episode. Bye bye. Bye. Bye bye. you again. <laughs>